Hey, hey, so are you confused when I say fiber? Because, you know, plants are trying to kill you. Have you heard that yet? Plants are trying to kill you? Do you need fiber? Do you not need fiber? How much fiber do you need if you actually need it? And how do you get it if the plants are trying to kill you? Let's dive in this week as we talk about this controversial topic and maybe the fact that some people are just making it a little too simplistic. Hey friends, welcome to Holistic Health Made Simple, where you will find health solutions to set you free from the overwhelm of diet culture and frustration with the ever-changing health rules. Let's go beyond the calorie and diet dogma to equip you to be healthy through simple changes to real food, mindset, and lifestyle. Hey, I'm Jolene. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, wife, furry guardian, and non-bendy yogi. Like you, I spent years chasing skinny instead of health. I finally learned that I needed to take a holistic approach to health and give my body what it needed to thrive. So if you're ready to take back your health one simple step at a time with results that are undeniable like more energy, improved mood, better sleep, and fat loss, this is the podcast for you. Pop in those headphones, take a deep breath, and let's get healthy. It's kind of hard to believe. But fiber is one of those things that just has so much controversy surrounding it. So some say you need fiber, others say you don't need any fiber. So are you team fiber or team no fiber? Let's dig into the weeds. So first, let's define what fiber really is. Fiber is a form of carbohydrate that passes with parentheses through the body. It does one of two things. It either turns to this gel that our gut microbiome uses for food or it acts like a broom and goes through our system and bulks up our stool. Yes, it makes our poop fuller. So when people tell you to eat fiber to go poo, they're just telling you to eat more stuff if you're backed up. Not the best idea. But let's go a little bit deeper. So there's two types of fiber soluble and insoluble. Soluble fiber dissolves into water and it forms this gel-like substance, which will help slow down your digestion and help you feel full longer, which is great, right? But it's also part of that glucose hack I talked about. By slowing down the digestion, it helps slow down any uh, glucose being processed so it reduces the glucose spike. So it's very good for that. Then we have insoluble fiber, which does not dissolve it stays pretty much intact through the digestive tract. What it is, is think of it like nature's little broom, and it kind of just sweeps through the digestive tract, sweeping down all the digestive foods, the waste, through your intestines to help you get it to the point where you eliminate it. Where soluble fiber turns into this gel and it feeds our gut bugs. It helps keep our digestive tract healthy, it helps keep our microbiome healthy, and it helps us burning energy better. So when you hear the term prebiotic, that is basically soluble fiber. They help stimulate the growth of good gut bugs. So we want to make sure that we're getting a nice balance of soluble and insoluble fiber to help nourish our gut microbiome to have an overall healthy life. So now that we know what fiber is, the two types, what exactly is this argument? Why do some people fight so vehemently that we don't need any plant products and others fight so much that we need a ton of plant products. Well, the plant-based proponents 
tout all the benefits of fiber and insist you cannot be healthy without large amounts of fiber. Now, a lot of this stems from Dr. Kellogg. Yeah, he's the founder of Kellogg's brand, but his beliefs in the late 19th century were that ingesting a lot of fiber would stop you from having sexual desires. We won't go into all of it, but you can Google it. It's there. It's well-documented. He believed that bland, fibrous foods would prevent sexual desires and followed a plant-based diet in accordance to his Seventh-day Adventist faith. Now, that doesn't mean that that's bad or good, but that's where a lot of, we need a lot of fiber comes from. We also need, um, we also need to remember that some of that also comes from the studies. We know that having some fiber will help reduce glucose. We also know having some fiber will reduce cholesterol based on actual people studies. So on the opposite side of eat lots of fiber, eat lots of plants, we have the camp that says we don't need any fiber. They have a belief that our ancestors did not eat a diet that was very high in fiber. And it actually might be harmful to consume large amounts of fiber or large amounts of plant foods. Their thoughts are the digestive tract was not made to handle the amount of fiber that is being pushed or any fiber for some people, especially because most of it just passes through. That's the thought process. If we're not digesting it and it's passing through, why do we need it? So both camps are full of anecdotal stories. Both camps aren't necessarily wrong and both camps are not necessarily right. Now you might be even more confused because I just said neither one is right and neither one is wrong. So, so the fact that this controversy exists, it made me dive a little deeper into listening to both sides. While some thrive with a decent amount of fiber in their diets, others feel utterly sick. That's why you get, we don't need fiber, we can't handle it. Some get so sick they like literally feel like they're on their deathbed with even a little bit of plant matter. And then there's many of us in the middle. We found our personal threshold, we're thriving at it, and we're enjoying life. For those that thrive, they do well because of happy, healthy gut bacteria. It is because we have a strong digestive system that can actually process the plant matter efficiently and makes us feel good. It, it's utilized properly, we digest it properly, we're not having a lot of issues with the plant matter. And just because studies show an importance of fiber for a healthy gut, and that's honestly where all the health benefits are coming from, is from the gut. However, if you have any kind of dysbiosis, just adding fiber is not going to be the cure. It actually could possibly be the poison. So let's dive in to why some plant matter, for some, plant matter can cause more harm than good. This is basically where the we don't need fiber, plant matter is trying to kill us. These are the thoughts behind it. I dug them up, I went through them, and hopefully this will explain a little bit to you so you can figure out what's best for you. We're going to start with anti-nutrients. It's a term that gets thrown out a lot. You might not quite grasp what it is, but you do know that plants have anti-nutrients. Well, they are what protect the plant from predators like insects and animals. It's how the plant grows and thrives. It basically are um, lots of, it could be different things, but 
it interferes with the absorption or the utilization of nutrients in plants. And that's why you often hear the term bioavailable in the nutrition space, where certain nutrients are more bioavailable in other forms than plant nutrients, or certain plants are more bioavailable than others, or cooking them or eating them raw. Like it, that's how the whole body needs to work is to be able to absorb it. What anti-nutrients can do in the body is they bind to certain minerals, which then affects the ability to absorb them. It can interfere with the digestive system, digestive enzymes, causing poor breakdown of food, which again leads to poor absorption, hello leaky gut. It disrupts the gut barrier function by damaging the gut lining, again, hello leaky gut. The most common types of anti-nutrients are phytic acid, which is what binds to minerals, and it's found mostly in grains, nuts, legumes, which are beans, guys. Um, and then there's tannins. Tannins can actually inhibit the absorption of iron. And it's found primarily in tea, coffee, some nuts, some fruits, and some vegetables. But mostly if you're getting a lot of tannins and having an issue, you're getting it from your teas and coffees. Then there's oxalates. Oh my, oxalates. Anyone who suffered from kidney stones understands or have heard the term oxalates. Oxalates bind to calcium and they form crystals that actually lead to kidney stones. It's found in certain nuts, spinach, rhubarb, and a few other leafy greens. But like I said, if you digest them, it's not going to cause kidney stones. If you're prone to kidney stones, you might want to avoid oxalates or get to the root cause of why oxalates are a problem. And lastly, there's lectins. Lectins can affect the absorption of nutrients. And again, it's found in nuts, seeds, beans, and grains. Now, if you notice, when I talked about anti-nutrients, I said can a lot. Just because something can cause something in some people does not mean they will cause problems in everyone. Just because something can cause an issue in some people does not mean it will cause a problem in everyone, okay? Let's just be clear on that. I know I said it twice. Some of the reasons why some people, again, some people, react to anti-nutrients more than others. I will give you a quick rundown of it. Sometimes it's genetic. Genetics plays a huge role in how we actually digest and absorb nutrients. So for certain gene variations make it harder to break down these anti-nutrients. Now, a big one is your gut health and gut diversity. They will play a role in how well you can break down and tolerate anti-nutrients. An imbalanced gut will increase your risk of reacting poorly to anti-nutrients. Now, how the plant matter is prepared. Like I said, do you want to cook things? you want to have some raw soaking, sprouting, fermenting? They all alter the way the body will react to and tolerate anti-nutrients. So you got to find what's best for you if you want to include some of them. Quantity is probably the biggest on impact and tolerance of anti-nutrients. The more you eat, the harder it's going to be for your body to process these anti-nutrients. It increases, uh, by having so much, it increases the risk of a negative impact. So we don't want to eat large amounts and if you're trying to reintroduce them, you want to do it very slowly. And then your health. 
any autoimmune conditions, IBS, low stomach acid, they'll all increase the risk of some kind of reaction to these anti-nutrients. I hope by going over all the different anti-nutrients, it kind of piqued your interest to learn a little bit more and understand why some say we don't need it. And to not take anything blanketly, like we need a ton or we don't need any. There's no set blanket. We're all individual and we need to figure out what the best thing for us is. But I also want you to remember, fiber isn't the problem. It's the anti-nutrients that's causing the problem. However, I like to think of anti-nutrients as a eustress. Basically, it puts a slight stressor on the body, but it includes beneficial components to help the body get stronger and thrive. Exercises like this, it's a stress on the body, but then we rebuild from it stronger and healthier. So I think of anti-nutrients kind of as this eustress. Both phytic acid and tannins have antioxidant properties and lectins have antimicrobial microbial properties. I always screw up that word. I am sorry. So try ways to increase your tolerance to plant matter. If you desire, if you don't, that's, that's you. You do you, boo. We're good with that. So learning how to properly prepare the foods you eat. Consume a variety of foods. This will help overdo any certain one anti-nutrient. We have a tendency in America especially to eat in a rut and eat the same thing over and over and over again. Diversify your plant matter so that you're not getting an abundance of any one anti-nutrient. Work on improving your gut health. Now you're going to hear me say gut health a lot. Improve your gut health. You improve your life. Your immune system lives in the gut. You also want to improve your digestion, especially stomach acid, which does lower as we age. So doing things like digestive bitters, apple cider vinegar, lemon water can all improve your stomach acid naturally. And then lastly, take digestive enzyme if you really struggle digesting plant matter. It helps break down the food, especially if you have low stomach acid, but it's a supplement, meaning that you shouldn't take it long term. You should take it for a short period of time as you work on getting everything else working healthily. Well, that about sums it up on the two camps of fiber versus no fiber and what's going on when they say plants are trying to kill us. Now, you don't need fiber to survive. You actually don't need plant matter to survive. You will survive. Will you thrive? I can't answer that. Some people who live without plant matter do very well. Their gut microbiome drastically changes to the foods they are eating. There's not enough studies to show what's going on in a carnivore's gut long term. There's just not. But I know for many, they feel so much better that they're so fearful of adding back any plant matter because of the ramifications and how horrible they felt um, when they were eating it. Now, if you really want to work on having an omnivorous diet, meaning that you're eating a little bit of everything, work on your gut health. Focus on fermented foods, probiotics, healing, and an elimination diet, which gets rid of the plant matter and slowly adds it back in just to give your your body some time to heal. Fasting is great to let your digestive tract heal. The key is going to be to understand your personal needs and tolerances. We're each individual. We each have our unique needs and tolerances of plant matter or no plant matter. If you don't tolerate plant matter, 
rather than saying, oh, well, they're trying to kill us. Find out why you don't tolerate it. There's something more going on. Even if you never want to eat them again, there's still something else going on and you should figure out why you're struggling because true health is knowing what's going on in our body. Remember, our ancestors have included fiber and plant matter in their diets for a millennia. It's not all of a sudden they're trying to kill us. On that note, friends, I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found value in what you heard today, I would be incredibly grateful if you could help spread the word. Sharing is caring after all. Share the podcast with others that will find the information helpful. It's through your support that I can continue to grow and bring more amazing content. And if you have a spare moment, I would truly appreciate it if you could leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback means the world to me, and it also helps others discover my show. I read every review and take your suggestions to heart, so please don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Remember, you can stay connected with me by following me on Instagram or visiting the website at holistichealthmadesimple.com. I love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to reach out, share your thoughts, ideas, and even suggestions for future episodes. See you later.